This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This is a special moment in A's Cast Live history, and of course for A's Cast, as we have now inked up a national columnist from The Athletic. Thank you, Fieldwork Brewing. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you bringing us Eno Saris for the Eno Saris Show as... If you've watched MLB Network, you read on The Athletic, his work is... You watch Ace Cast. You watch Ace Cast. It's second to none. And what's awesome about this partnership, beer and you every week. I know. It's great. And I wouldn't ask... I couldn't ask for a better sponsor. I mean, one thing I love about Fieldwork, and we talk about this all the time, you're talking to me about, like, what beer is right for the season, right? Yeah. One thing I really love about Fieldwork is they're really good across the styles. Like, they're not just a, oh, a hazy or this. They have good stouts, they have good sours, they have good everything. So, you know, that's why I'm super happy to, to, to partner up with them. And the one thing that, like you just said, for a lot of people, you got to mix it up, right? You get, there's stuff you do in the summer, you do the fall, you do in the winter. And, it, and if your brewery doesn't keep up with the Joneses, you really fall behind. And as field work, we just told you, they're going to get you your beer. If you can't go to one of their yeah, tap rooms, yeah. they'll bring it to your door. I met their brewer, Alex Tweet, uh, I think 12 years ago in San Diego, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, he's an amazing, amazing brewer. So no matter what he does, he's golden. And we will be doing an A's Cast Live from their brewery. We're really thankful for this partnership, and we're thankful to have you because – you know, there's so many different things that you do. You're just not, you're, you just don't come on and give us just traditional baseball stuff. We learned about what really humidity is with you. No. I mean, there, there's a lot. Of I learned a lot too. <laughs> humidors. We we learn about so many different things uh, that you're working on, and we talk about the athletic too. It's also you know bringing in the partnership with the athletic. Who we've talked about the journalism is second to none. Yeah, yeah. I had a had a crazy piece today. Did you did you have a chance to look at that? We've been we've been. I have not. I've been doing stuff all day well, long. Well, check this out. It's a COVID piece? Yes. Baseball players returning from COVID. Hitters returning from COVID. 60, they lose 60 points of OPS in their first two weeks back from COVID. Pitchers coming back from COVID, are their ERA is 30 points higher in the two weeks when they come back from COVID. Their fastballs are more than a half mile an hour slower, and the hitters lose more than a half mile of exit velocity. Like... Hitters and pitchers definitely lose athleticism in just the five days that sometimes they're out. And if it's 10 days, it's even worse. First thing I'm thinking about is when you have the virus, how your immune system is in such overdrive fighting the virus 
that it makes you so weak because everything it has to do to fight the virus and that we, just the way our sports work, and I'm sure probably if we, if we looked at football and basketball and hockey, we'd probably find something very similar because we want to rush our guys back, right? We don't want to see, hey, take two weeks, get your strength back, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's <laughs> the thing. We need to win these games. Yeah, yeah. Like, you need to get back. You're in the lineup. You're in now. And especially, like, when, when we first started going through this in our shortened 2020 season, you were gone for two weeks. Yeah, right, yeah. you had to be out for four. Now it can be five days. Jordan Alvarez seemed like it's. It's like I saw it on MLB Network that he tested positive. It seemed like three days later he was in the lineup. Because if you test negative, you can get back in there. But the problem is, and this is, I was talking to for the story. I talked to Chad Pinder. I talked to Jed Lowry. I talked to Mike Yastrzemski, Brandon Belt. So I talked to a lot of local guys about this, and they all said that they were tired, even after they got back in the games, that they had extra fatigue for an extra two weeks, that they were just tired going up and down stairs, that one player said he took uh, pregame naps, and he'd never done that before. So he just started started needing naps before games. So, you know, they're, they're not the, who they are. The, and one thing that was really interesting to me, for me from researching this piece was that I talked to experts in like sort of trainers like yeah. the high level high performance they're called now um, that I talked to high performance experts and they said that there are adaptations that your body makes there are physical adaptations that your body makes that you lose in three to eight days so you're talking about the, the fastest speed that you can run your max speed like in terms of running you lose that in three to eight days if you don't get to max speed like, that's one of the first things you lose is running speed, actually. I didn't think that was true, but it's your max speed. You lose that. That explains everything about me now. <laughs> I haven't been to max speed in, like, 30 years. That explains everything. Got to get back up there. <laughs> and then the other one, actually, um, was it's called the creatine phosphate system. That's a lot of gobbledygook. What it is is the fast twitch. Yeah. So the fast twitch, the, and these are adaptations that your body makes when you are a high-level pro athlete, they have at, their bodies have adapted adapted to do things that we can't do in terms of like having 80 mile an hour bat speed we would have to do all sorts of training and if we took five days off in the middle of that training we would actually lose steps in that training and uh that's i was i was amazed that just three to eight days and that's what's different about covid versus everything else because if you hurt your wrist you can still run Yes. You can still lift other body parts. Ride a bike. You can ride a bike. The stationary bike. You COVID can is, hey, we're going to shut everything down for five days, you know, or four days. Or Stay at home, is, isolate. You know. And it all started because I was trying to train for the half marathon, and I, I had COVID, and I, I was like, I have to run this half marathon in five weeks. So on day five of COVID, I decided I'm going to go out there and run. And the type of running I was doing, I was, tr I was checking my heart rate, and I was trying to run to a certain heart rate. And that first day back, the heart rate was up like 20% over what I would normally was. And I couldn't run. I was super tired and my pace was off. So I just saw how hard it was to get back on, on, on track. And was that scary at all? Um, a little bit. Uh, it was good that the second run was better. And like yeah. about a week, week and a half, you know, two weeks, I was back, I was back to normal. But um, you know, that, uh, that gave me an end to talk to these athletes. I was like, this is what it was like for me. What was it like for you? Um, and we just had a lot of interesting discussions. You know, Jed was particularly uh, impressive in this uh, piece because Jed got it pre-vaccine uh, in 2020 when he was with the Mets. And so in that case, he was out for three months, and he said he couldn't, he couldn't get on a bike for three months. 
So he had that experience. And then he caught it again after the vaccine, and he was, he was cool. It was like three days of light stuff, but then two weeks of still being tired. So let's take it to a team standpoint. We're about winning baseball games. COVID is not going away, and it's staying with us for we don't know how long. We thought we, thought we wouldn't be having these conversations anymore. We're still having these conversations. Mm. So I'm not saying we're not going to deal with this next season. So should we as a sport really think about the if you get COVID – especially if you have the fever and you have the symptoms. And it's not good for me to try and win a baseball game with you. Like, yeah. like you're not helping me if, if, you, if you're you know, tired, I, if you had to take a nap. I know <laughs> it's that dumb saying you'll hear people say, if I can only get 60% out of this guy, no. Yeah. I mean, is that really a, all right, he's got COVID. We really got to think about him at least for not a week being a part of this thing. And I, I think the best way to do it is I'm a data guy. I'm a numbers guy, right? Yeah. I talked to one team that said, no, we have cardio and cardiac. We have like heart baseline. We have baselines on everybody and we want them to get back to those baselines before we put them on the field. So that that's how you deal with how everyone gets it differently, right? So if, if we know what your, your resting heart rate is, then we can throw you back on the field if you can get back to that resting heart rate. As soon as you get back to that, if we know what your what your max speed is. If you can get back to that max speed, then we can send you back out there. So there's certain benchmarks you can have. But the flip side of it is, think about you're a team that's going to the playoffs, and you don't want them to get it at all, especially if they're going to be reduced maybe in the playoffs, right? So I think something that you should be thinking about, and this is difficult because you feel like, hey, we're we're business is open. Let's let's we can have fun again. You might want to talk to your team about, hey, do we want to have voluntary kind of restrictions on the our bubble. social lives? Do we want to kind of like chill out on the socializing in the last two weeks of September at least so that nobody, you know, not, like Garrett Cole doesn't get, you know, and like then he's out, you know? So, uh, or any, even if he comes back after five days, he's not as good because he's tired. So, you know, there's, that's, I mean, that's, I know, that's real. I know for a certain that teams are talking about this. I know for certain that they're talking about this, talking about what they want to do, the managers think about it, and they're going to talk to their players at some point. Well, because what you're saying is if you get COVID, there's a chance you're not you for at least two weeks. And that's the playoffs. And we don't have that much time. Yeah. Is it? Is it? What is our COVID list right now? If we have a player go... On COVID, we're able to bring a player up and replace him. That's what I'm just trying to think. Like a COVID list still is going to need to be here for a while now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I bubble seems the the bubble seems smart for the playoff teams. Now, I mean, doesn't mean you still can't get it. I mean, the odds of you getting it from another player being outside is slim. But yeah, when you start talking about wife, your kids are going to school. I mean, this is. I mean, it's something to think about. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any answers. And really, the the the, the real thrust of the piece for me was just that um, everyone's coming back at a different pace. Everyone gets affected by it differently. And you know, to me, the piece—if there was a point to the piece—it was like have some sympathy for your brother. You know what I mean? Have some sympathy for your sister. Like, have some sympathy for each other as we come back off of this because some people are going to get long COVID. Some people are going to get it really bad. Some people are going to laugh it off and say it was nothing. But, you know, 
have some sympathy for the other people because everyone's sort of coming through it at a different pace. Yeah, and as, you know, it w they tried to start throwing at us that this was a virus of the unvaccinated, and then all the vaccinated and people that had it already are getting it again. Yeah. So it's like it's changed so many times, and it's not ending anytime soon. So something good, you know, I can't wait to read it because obviously this truly affects now. God, you think about it, can you imagine – two or three of your top players get it right for the playoffs. Awesome. We normally would say, oh, in five days they're back. But you're saying, no, that's not it. They may be back. One hour less fastball. Yeah. But they're not back. You're working on a piece about fly balls. Yeah, uh, I think it's really interesting because uh, the numbers say that if you throw 50% fly balls, if you, th if you hit 50% fly balls, right, as a hitter, you can still be very productive. In fact, you can be just as productive as someone who hits fewer fly balls because – you're, you're hitting a lot of homers, right? But what happens is your batting average is, is crap. You know, guys who hit 50% fly balls and up usually hit 210, you know, because they're hitting a lot of pop-ups, they're hitting a lot of fly-outs, and a lot of homers, right? I, I've been talking to hitters that hit 50% fly balls, and they're aware of that, and they don't like it. And a lot of them, I don't like they it. think it's too much. So the question is, is there, is there too many fly balls? The numbers say, not really. You get a lot of homers. It's, you're still very productive. But the hitters say, no. I, I, you know, I talked to Seth Brown, who last year hit 50% fly balls. And he said, that's what was asked of me. I was a part-time player. When they put me in, I was like, I need to make an impact right now. I'm going to hit a homer. So everything was going to be in the air. Yeah. But now that I'm an everyday player, they're asking different things of me where, you know, sometimes I need to move the guy over. Sometimes I need to get on base. Sometimes I need to cover the plate. Sometimes, I, you know. And so he said it's actually been more of a conscious decision this, decision this year to be able to cover more of the plate, to be able to hit, uh, to hit, hit a little bit better average, a little bit more on base, uh, and not hit as many fly balls. And so you've seen his fly ball rate go down, his on-base percentage go up, his strikeouts go down. So the, that, there is all that relationship where all these things happen that way. And, you know, it could be better for the game if more people were not hitting 50% fly balls. I think. Here's a player. I don't know what his fly ball rate is. Uh -huh. But any idea, Giancarlo Stanton? He's actually not. He's, he's, a, he's a kind of – a lot of his are lasers. Okay. Well, his lasers, uh, I was looking at his numbers. So he's got 24 home runs and only – six doubles <laughs> and I started saying to myself okay ah great he went back home to LA won the all-star game MVP yeah but here's a guy that we act like's a big star doesn't play defense mm. DH he's got 24 jacks you look at his RBI less than three, 300 on base I think you're talking about a lot of solo home runs very few extra base hits now the OPS will be high but I'm like, how really productive is this guy? Are, is, is hitting Corey Seager down in Texas. Not great defensively. A lot of solo bombs. Is that really a great player? Well, I think, I think the game, I think some, in some ways the game is going away from that a little bit. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton represents the first wave of StatCast where we were like, hey, he hits the ball really hard. And Stanton has, well, O'Neill Cruz just hit the, the hardest, the hardest hit of ever, all time. Yeah. But it, numbers 2 through 25 are Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> so he's hit the hardest balls ever. And, you know, in 
in the StatCast era, the first era of it was let's get all the guys who hit the ball hard, right? And that was a big thing for, for the, the Yankees, really. Got a lot of big guys who throw the ball hard, spin the ball hard, you know, a lot of high spin rates and a lot of uh, high exit velocities. I think we're moving away from that a little bit in when we realize that strikeout rate is actually super important in the postseason. It becomes more important in the postseason than the regular season even. The, the ability to put a lottery ticket in play, the ability to make contact off a, off a high velo pitcher, to make contact off a really good stud ace. And contact. Contact matters. Not strikeout, contact. Yeah, contact. So as, as people saw what the Astros were doing, because the Astros have been kind of out in front of a lot of these trends. They saw the Astros and the Cubs improve their strikeout rate year over year more than any other team in baseball those years, and they won, the, won it all. Those years they won it all, they improved their strikeout rate more than any other team in baseball. And so other teams, I think, are starting to see contact matters, strikeout rate matters. I don't want a guy who strikes out 30% of the time, hits 50% fly balls, hits me 25 jacks, has a 280 on base percentage. I'm not sure that's exactly what I want. Because in a seven-game series, everything changes. And wouldn't you say that's why the Yankees have been vulnerable? They haven't been to the World Series since 2009. During 162, we've talked about this with the A's, how they play. Works for 162. How does this work in, in a small series? I've got another name for you, the Tampa es Bay Rays. Especially, okay, so teams that... I look at the Yankees, so much of their offensive production comes from the home run. Well, what happens if they don't hit home runs? It, that's a, there's a complicated truth, uh, which is teams that score a lot of runs from their home runs do fine in the postseason. That, that, that part is okay. It's also true that contact matters more. So really what you want to do is hit a lot of home runs and make contact. <laughs> that should be easy, right? But that's what I mean that's what the Astros do. They hit a lot of home runs, they make a lot of contact. You know, that's Correct. that's they, what they you don't want. strike out. That's right. That's what you want to do is not strike out. The, the the antithesis of this is the Braves. They won it all last year. They strike out a lot, they chase balls. But you, that does make you vulnerable in a, in a, in a five-game series where your guys can all go cold because that just happens to be that time of the year where, they're, where they strike out a lot or if they don't match up well against those pitchers and they strike out a lot. And then you have feast or famine kind of idea. And that's so what happens with strikeouts, your feast or famine. What's the problem with the Rays in the postseason? They strike out a lot. You they just become out easy outs. Yeah. And, they, and they, you know, you, you'll see they, they have to win one nothing, 2 nothing, 2-1. Would you say that with technology, new trends have emerged, and maybe sometimes teams, like certain businesses, jump too fast into an early trend and go all in, and it, then it hurts them? We have a fascinating uh, test case of this right today with the Yankees and the, and the A's, because the Yankees are always way out in front on, on technology and data. And so they are all over these concepts that we've talked about on the show before. That's like seam-shifted wake. You know, like I said earlier, they had a lot of high spin rate guys early. They, they, they are really into data and tech, and that's great. The A's on this side can't necessarily afford all the same data and tech, 
aren't, aren't, aren't investing the same way in the player development. And so they've, uh, in fact, made a lot of trades with the Yankees, and they have targeted players that are being left behind in this age of things like my stuff plus metric, you know, all these like sort of advancements in data and tech. So when you get a guy like J.P. Sears, and you get a guy like Cole Irvin, and you get a guy like Paul Blackburn. Waldachuk. I mean, Waldachuk, I don't know, he has some strikeout. I don't know exactly how what his stuff is like, but I think particularly Sears, Blackburn, and Irvin strike me as guys who – they hide the ball okay. They have a lot of pitches. They all they all have th- at least three or four pitches, maybe five, you know, and they command it pretty well, and they're better than the sum of their parts. They're able to dance, you know. They're able to pitch, yeah. you know. And so the A's have been like, hey, if we can't out-stuff plus you and if we can't out-data and tech you, then maybe we're going to go, you know, backwards in a way. We're going to be like, hey, this is a pitcher. You know, our scouts say he's a pitcher. He's a guy who's been better than you'd expect. He's outperformed his stuff plus. You know, why not let's lean into that? And we're going to lean into the unknown a little bit here. We, we might not be able to quantify it as good as, as the Yankees can quantify their stuff plus, but we've got some interesting pitchers here and some guys who've made it work. That's what's going to be fascinating. It's just not everything you're going to do with us each week through the postseason, but really in the offseason when you can really go in a deep dive and explain, okay, when you're reading my stuff, <laughs> this is what I mean. And I really explain, like, I've come up with stuff. You have stuff plus. Yeah, location plus, pitching plus, yeah. I mean, we. Well, right, there, it's on a beer can now. We got a stuff plus beer can. I'm going to get you some of that. Field work. Right? Yeah, right now. <laughs> I can't mention the other one. No, no. just <laughs> full, full, the full tilt is it made the. the can stuff I please get here. my? Can I please get my? I will improve this. I just wanted to show you the capabilities of what we will have for you. Hit it. The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company with eight taproom locations in Northern California. Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Sponsor of the Eno Sarah Show. We're, and we're doing this all year. It's not just a, it's not during the just during the regular season. We're no, gonna, we're so gonna, we can we can break down winter meeting stuff. We can break down trades. We can do anything. Well, and and the great thing is too for field work, it's like holiday time. Promote how this is a great gift because oh, yeah. I've I've given something like this to yeah, my yeah my brother. wife is listening I'll take a box of field work yeah <laughs> I mean you get on that like like you can buy like the Christmas gift where beer shows up every month yeah beer of the month but. right isn't that nice <laughs> are you saying we're done the show's over all right all right all right what well, hey we're promoting field work no, brewing here for we got, we got we got next week we got next, we got next week. week and then we got hey. that. You know how much respect respect we we have for you and the work you do you is second too. to none. And yeah. now that you're officially a part of us every single week, fieldwork brewing, fantastic. It's going to be a win-win. Yes, thanks so much, guys. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.